Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just honor you today. We worship you in this place. We thank you for that unfailing love. That love that it never runs dry. It never runs out. God, you are the place that we know that we can always run to. You are our safe place. God, when we face trials and we face struggles, let us never forget who you are. Let us never forget where you are. Help us, God, to just connect to you today, to set every burden down at your feet right now, every struggle, every trial, just to spend a moment with you Lord, we invite your presence to fill this place right now. God, I thank you for every heart here. I pray that you would just prepare us today. Prepare us to receive from you and to give to you right now in this moment. To give you glory, glory to give you honor that you deserve in this place right now. Just fill this place with your love today, Lord Jesus. We just worship you, God. Thank you, Jesus.
reaching out to make me whole. He's reaching out to make me whole. He's the one who put death in its place. His life is flowing through my veins. His life is flowing through my
Come on, tell him today. Is that what you believe about your God? Sing it out today. Sing. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of I believe, I believe. I believe in you. I believe, I believe in you. I believe in the God of I believe in you. I believe, I believe, God. How I can save you. You are who you say you are. There is no one like you, God. Oh, there's no one like you, God. You're the God of me. We believe, God. We believe, God. That's right. Just reach up and grab it today. If you need a miracle in your life today, he's right here right now. All it takes is one step of faith, one step towards him. One moment of surrender. Just reach out and take his hand right now. He's here waiting for you. He's waited for you. God, we wait for you right now. God, we don't move unless you move. We don't go unless you go.
I think we need to fill this room just like just thank him even under your breath in your mind just thank God for what he's done thank him for the cross think about the cross in this moment and just thank him God that you so love me that you gave your very best Lord God that we Lord God in you have eternal life Lord God as we believe in you as we stand with you as we walk with you Lord God we have eternal life God. Thank you, Lord God. Just lift your voice just a little bit. Just say thank you. Thank you. Just say it. Fill this room of thanks. There's a difference, I promise. Fill this room of thanks. Thank you, Lord God. We want you here, Lord God. We desire you here, Lord God. We all want to be in a place where we're appreciated, where we bring our praise up. Thank you, Lord God. Where we're loved, Lord God. In the same way, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We want you here, you're already here, Lord God. I pray we get here. We get here. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have an opportunity, Lord God, to hear from you, Lord God, just to be with you and to be with one another. Lord, let us know how important it is, just the people that surround us, that this is, we're not doing this life alone. We're not doing faith alone. But I pray for unity, Lord God, that we could be one, Lord God, as you and the Father are one. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. 
How do you like that, ex that lack of one hour of sleep? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you don't even miss it. I miss it. I, I was like, what? what's going on? Yeah. Did, you, did you just say, did we lose an hour of sleep? You know, some, some, some people are just surprised. It's like, I just felt it was early. But good morning. Uh, I'm just glad you guys are here. As the ushers are coming forward, I get the, uh, the opportunity to take offering. And offering is just, uh, we, if you believe that this place is bringing you life and giving you just uh, family, and we just want to keep on just building this place, just know that, that, uh, that it's a uh, part of your giving goes to our giving, part of your uh, giving goes to maintaining things. But more than anything, let's just embrace what God is doing here. And uh, as uh, if you call this your church home, continue to give uh, faithfully. If you're new here, you don't need to give at all. We just want you to just be here and be with us. And uh, I just pray more than anything, our desire is that they would use the church, which is not just an organization, but the people in this room that we can be come together and, and that uh, Christ would be revealed in everything that we do, all right? So, um, it, so we're going to pray, and then we're going to start going. Heavenly Father, I just ask you to be with us today. God, give us your wisdom. As we give and as we live and as we come together, let us not belittle simple moments, Lord God. Let us not belittle worship, a time where we sing together and we honor you. There's something that happens when we honor you in community, when we honor you together, when we come in unity to honor God, there is something that happens in us, God. There's something that happens that fills our hearts, God. And I pray as we give and as we worship, Lord, and as we live this week, God, I pray fill our hearts, God, with you. Let us acknowledge you. Let us love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. They're going to play a quick video, and we're going to get things going. So we have a class starting uh, on the 26th of March, and it's called Equip, and we are just going to talk about it. All, any question that you have, but a place where we just uh, just learn uh, just the historical Jesus, just information that you've been always wanting to ask. I think it's a safe place, and we're gonna, it's going to be a four-week class, and we're going to do it in bulks like that, but I think it's a great place for you to come, 930 be there. We're going to meet in the gym, and it's a, a, a place for us to grow and be equipped. Amen? Uh, at this time, Monica's going to come, and she's going to just talk to you about something she, they are doing. I think if, if they're here, there you are. Kate, so um, I'm here just announcing that we're having a women's breakfast on April 1st at my sister's house. And if you don't know who my sister is, it's Christina Vargas. She's like my sister from another mister and mother. Um, but 
I wanted to get up here and personally invite you because I know I can't reach every woman in this um, auditorium. So I encourage you as a woman um, to come and just get to know the people of your church or the women of your church. I know it could be a little um, scary. Uh, for me, it was very scary because I always thought that the women of the church were mighty women and, you know, very strong in their faith. And I always thought that I was too far from that. But um, in my journey and speaking with the women of this church, I've really grown to appreciate them and uh, they're very, they are very strong, but they also want to make you strong and want to help you and want to be there for you. Um, we do, Jackie and I do a women's group on Thursday nights and this verse has just really stuck with me and it's uh, Psalm 68:11, which is the Lord announces the word and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. So that has just stuck with me. Amen. I mean, if you are a woman in this church and you want to be a mighty throng, you want to proclaim the word of God, come and join us. Just come and see. I'm not asking. We're not going to preach. We're not going to teach. But come and get to know the women of this church and just see how amazing they are. And I invite you all. So that's it. Done. Give her a hand. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 8. Uh, we uh, love the word of God here. We believe it reveals Jesus. I'm going to say it every time. Because that's why we love the word of God and we believe Jesus changes our life. We're going to read from Mark chapter 8, 22 to 31. I'm going to read that quickly and then I'm going to tell you all about chapter 8. And then we're going to run right into this. And uh, today's message is called a blind spot. Blind spot. Have you guys ever done the blind spot test? Because we all have a blind spot in our eye. And no, no, just, uh, just me. But we all have a blind spot in, in our eyes, every one of us, and I believe we have blind spots in our lives, things we think we see but we don't see. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to read right through Mark chapter 8, 22 to 31. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought him a blind man, Jesus, a blind man, and they begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out to the village. So he got him away from everyone. And when he had spit on his eyes, awesome, Right? He laid his hands on him, and he asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking, so he's, it's really blurry. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Those are big words. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not enter the village. And Jesus went, into this, uh, went with the disciples to the village of Caesarea, uh, Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? I think that's a huge question that we must ask ourselves many times. And they told him, John the Baptist. And the others said, I think you're Elijah. People are saying that. And others are saying you're just one of the prophets. Then he asked them, his 12, but who do you say that I am? And reluctantly, Peter gets up, or maybe very boldly, and he says, you are the Christ. And then he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And three days he will rise again. Of course, he's talking about the crucifixion and the Easter. So we're walking slowly into that Easter moment. And uh, we're, we're on part 21 of the message series, 
meet Jesus. That's right, 21. We've been, we've been on this for a long time, but I hope that you guys are growing in Christ. That's, that's my major focus, a uh, reason why we do this. Uh, Jesus does, uh, you know, in, in this chapter, in chapter uh, 8, Jesus does miracles in the beginning of chapter 8, feeding the 4,000. Before he fed the 5,000, now he's feeding the 4,000. And then the Pharisees come and argue with Jesus, and they, again, they say, give us another sign, Jesus. Then we'll believe, right? And then, then, we'll, then we'll trust you if you give me one more sign. It's, it's funny. That's how we are. Isn't it true? Just give me one more. Then I'll believe. Then you get there. Give me one more. If you do this in my life, then, then I will change. And we know that is just bunk. That's just not how belief happens. It's not that God performs a miracle like he's our, our, our jack-in-the-box. You know, we crank him up, and he pops out and performs a miracle. Then we believe. We think that we believe that way, but we don't. We don't. I had a friend uh, or a friend's brother who was like, who got shot in the face, right? So uh, you remember when there were shootings on I-25 and no one knew who it was? Well, one of my friends got shot in the face through his, through the glass. I know I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just being honest. And it, it, it went through his, uh, yeah, you're laughing. It went through his eye, uh, the, uh, the bottom of his eye socket, missed his eyeball and came out the back of his head, right? And hurt nothing. It missed everything right? And then he came back to church. He was like, God did a miracle in my life. I will trust him forever. I was like, you know, he's a, he, he, a couple months later, gone, right? Uh, that's true. I know people whose arms have been healed, like after years of dealing with, can't even open their arms, and God heals their arms because they say, if you do this, God, I will trust you. And then, no, because you know why? Because miracles might keep us for a little while, but then we say this, what have you done for me lately? I need, show me another sign. Show me another miracle. And that's what the Pharisees are doing. And Jesus is done because he knows they won't be tr- satisfied. Signs and miracles, though they're awesome, won't keep you trusting God. I'm telling you, if you're praying for God, just do this one thing, then I will follow you. You will not follow him because you're basing your trust on something else other than Christ. And we will not follow him. And I've seen this many times. And in Mark 8, 12, Jesus sighs deeply, which uh, I, I feel like he rolled his eyes, right? Has your wife ever sighed deeply at you? I'm like, you ask him a question, they're like, Ugh. and then and the eyes roll back, and I'm like, Ugh. And, then, and then he said this, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And in this moment, Jesus stops his public ministry. So if you want to know the first part of, from Mark chapter 1 to 8, Jesus is out there in the public doing ministry. And after Mark chapter 8, he's done. He's done. He's not out there doing his thing anymore. He's not feeding the 5,000 anymore. So this is a really bad moment if you actually think about it. This is not a good moment of time. He ends his public ministry. It's sad. And from there, Jesus just focuses in on his 12 guys. And he's just going into them. Like he's teaching them and like investing in them. And then, and then he's with the guys. And in Mark chapter 8, 17, and Jesus is aware because these guys are talking about the miracle Jesus did in, in the beginning of the chapter. And he's like, why are you discussing the facts there's no bread, right? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Have your eyes, uh, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? And Jesus is saying to the disciples, so, so, I'm going to fix that. Talk amongst yourselves for a second. There we go. 
So in the beginning, the Pharisees are blind and cannot see Jesus. They want another sign. And here, the disciples are also blind. They want to see something else from Jesus before they believe. Both are frustrating. Both are frustrating Jesus. So today, the main theme is called blind spot. It's about our blindness. The blindness of the Pharisees and the disciples. The blindness of the Pharisees and the disciples, both groups were with Jesus. They learned from Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They asked him questions, yet they still can't see who he is. No matter what he does, from feeding the 4,000 to 5,000, healing the sick, forgiving sin, casting out demons. And, 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 they, and in the beginning of chapter 8, they still see Jesus as just this prophet, this miracle worker, this, this great teacher, this spiritual figure, this religious adversary. But they are blind to see who he is. They're blind to see who he is. And in the middle of all this, this blind man comes. His, this, these friends bring this blind guy. And they're like, Jesus, you got to heal this man. And it's interesting because this, this um, passage is not one that you want to write in about Jesus, all right? There's many passages about Jesus doing healings. This is not the good one, right? Because in, if you're writing a message to hype up a lie, uh, hype up Jesus, this is not the miracle that you want to put in. Because it, it, it looks like Jesus failed the first time he tried to heal. Have you ever thought about that? Like he's doing this healing. He's like, uh, he spits on the ground, puts it on his eye, and he's not healed. That's right. He's not healed. And you're like, eh? What is, what's going on? Then he's like, do you see? He's like, not really. I see people. They look like trees, right? So he's like, all right. Then he, he does it again, and it, then it says he sees everything clearly. Which just tells me this, this happened, you know? And today, Jesus, and what I want to speak to you about is our blindness. And this is my main point. I have one point for you. Everyone is spiritually blind. Everyone. All right, let's pack it up. I know it's a very positive point. Everyone is spiritually blind. We can't see. All of us. All of us. We think we see what we can't see. In our culture, people uh, believe that all truths are relative and what's right for you might be wrong for me, depending on your beliefs and culture. And in, in ancient times, they believed there's good people and then there's bad people. Good people see the truth. Bad people, they can't see the truth because they're blind, right? And, and this is not the biblical view. The Bible takes a different view. Because if you just believe that there are, you're good people and then there's, there's, oh, there's bad people that are not like you, then there, it brings an us and them mentality that can bring about in our past genocide, wickedness. When you, when you make an us and them mentality, that's what can happen. And the Bible does not do that. God, it does something totally different because that kind of view of I'm good, you're bad could lead to hate, discrimination, prejudice. Think about that for a moment. It sounds like politics, right? We got it right, you got it wrong. No, no, we got it right, you got it wrong, right? But it also happens in many churches. It happens in our lives too. Because I'm good and they must be bad. I'm doing right, they must be doing wrong. But the Bible does not do that. The Bible does this. The disciples and the Pharisees are blind. The friends of Jesus, the enemies of Jesus. The insiders, the outsiders. The moral, the immoral. The good, the bad. According to the Bible, all are blind. No one gets it. And we are all messed up. That's the doctrine of total depravity, if you want to look it up. That we all are blind. Blind to sin because of sin. And it goes deep. It goes down deep. And blindness 
Just like physical blindness, it takes stages of healing. It doesn't come all at once. So if you're thinking that I should totally have this Jesus thing down because I've been to church for a while, then you're blind. (laughs) Because it takes stages of seeing, stages of healing according to the Bible. Multiple touches of Christ. It doesn't go all at once. Even though you recognize Jesus, we cannot see him clearly. Even though we're walking with Jesus, we still miss what he's doing in our lives. Even though we have our WWJD bracelets on. I'm telling you, we are not seeing the whole picture. See, spiritual sight doesn't clear up immediately. It doesn't. So if you're frustrated with where you're at in your faith, I say good good the frustration is good the tension is good if you have no tension in your faith then you're not struggling with it you're not trying to work it through the tension is good because it takes it takes us understanding that blindness is hard to overcome spiritual blindness it attaches to us and it takes going to jesus again and again and again now think about what that means for you and me next time you think have you ever thought in your mind, like, how can they be so naive? They've been to going to church, and they still act like that or whatever, you know, uh, church people. You know, we do that. We go to church long enough, we become church people. So I try to, oh, man, try to get that out of me. I don't want to be church people. I want to see Jesus clearly. Me too. I need to understand I'm on the journey too. If you think, if, if your pride rises up and you say, how can they be like that? Think that way. Why can't you just get over it? Why can't you do whatever? Why can't you just overcome that weakness in your life? Listen, when pride, when pride rises up in you and you start looking down on others, it's because you're blind too. It's because you're blind too. When pride ever rises up, it reveals your blindness and everyone else could see it but you because you think you see it and everyone else is blind. And when you think that way, guess what? Jesus says, you're blind too. You need to go to God too. So I'm guilty here. There are moments I get so frustrated, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I say, I, I've, I've talked about Jesus for 21 weeks. Can they, do they get it yet? Why can't they see and just trust Jesus? Can they, yeah, and then you ever, like, work with somebody, and you, you have poured your life into them, and, like, you're like, why can't they get over addiction? Why can't they get over porn? Why can't they stop see, sinning? Why can't she stop cheating? Why don't you just get, get it? Don't you just get it? Don't you understand Jesus? It's, it, it's because they need to go to Jesus again. They need another touch from Jesus. And so do you when you start asking and you start despairing at where people are at. Listen, you and I cannot change people, bottom line. We cannot change people. We don't win people. We don't change people. You can't stop someone from sinning. And you and I, we can't win people. We don't. What we can do is we lead people to Jesus. Only Jesus can heal blindness. Only Jesus can heal our soul. And I'm telling you, we need divine intervention. Salvation is not your choice. Salvation is divine intervention when God opens up your heart. And it, sometimes it's radical like Paul, you know. if Paul the apostle in the Bible, it was radical like the light shined. And he, went, he was like, I can't see. And Jesus was like, all right, I'm going to help you see, right? And most of the time, that doesn't happen to you. Sorry. Most of us are like Peter. We're like walking through. We're making a mistake. And we're like, all right, Jesus, I'm going to do better next time. Then you make the same mistake. And you're like, I got it this time. Third time, I got it then we do the same thing again. They're like, I'm such an idiot. Then Jesus is like, no, you're Satan. You're like, what? Right? 
Then you win. Then you do something good. Like in this verse, you're like, uh, who do you say they am? You are the Christ. And then he's like high-fiving. Then like the next verse, he's like, Jesus, don't do that. You're doing it wrong. Then he's like, you are Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. He's like, oh, man. And everyone's looking down on him. Just imagine that this is really going on. When I think of Peter, I just think of myself. Because I go up, and I'm doing so good, I want to high-five people. And then right when I get so prideful, I start high-fiving people. Jesus is like, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm like, oh, I'm Satan. I'm Satan. Because I'm not getting what you're doing. I'm not getting on the same boat you're getting on. I'm trying to do my thing and trying to add you on into my life instead of getting on what you're doing. And so we miss it. And so we miss it. You know why? Because I'm blind too. I'm blind too. But I believe our goal is not to be someone's savior. You're, you're not someone's savior, man. Only Jesus can do that. You're not the answer. You, you, you can't say the magic line. If I can just say the magic things, then all of a sudden everything will change, right? No, it doesn't work that way. Not for your coworker, for your friend, your family member, your husband, whoever you're thinking. Take people to Jesus. He alone saves. He alone opens blind eyes. He alone heals. He alone transforms because he alone is God. And that's what he's trying to show us. That's what he's trying to show these guys. And I believe Hill City is a safe place to bring people who are far from Christ to Jesus, to meet Jesus, to point to Jesus, encounter Jesus. It's not us. I'm telling you, it's not us. I'm not awesome. Ask my wife, right? She's like, why can't you just put the socks in the thing? I don't know. I don't know. Why can't I keep grass alive? I don't know. I hate it, right? I wish I could do like fake Christianity. I wish I could do, you know, I, could, I wish I could do Christianity like fake grass. Like it's always alive. It's always green, but it's really dead, right? I wish that I didn't need to do anything about it. I could, it just shows up and it looks good. But honestly, most of the time in our life, our grass is dead because we're not tending to it. Man, you got to tend to what God has put in your hand. I apologize. My grass is probably going to be dead again this year. And I'm going to call a bunch of you guys and say, how do you make your grass alive? Every year, same thing, guys. Same thing. Every year. If you are my, have been my friend more than five years, you know every year I call you and say, how do you keep your grass alive? You know why? Because I suck at keeping the grass alive. I don't know why. And then, I, then if you look from Google at my house, my neighbor's grass is green, and my grass is dead. I'm like, even Google is shaming me. Even Google Maps is shaming me. I was like, Aaron, I'm serious. You look at my house on Google Maps, I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is a travesty. What a shame. I apologize, right? So I'm not awesome. Paul is not awesome. Jen is awesome, but not that awesome. She's awesome, right? But we only lead people to Jesus because he has changed my life. He continues to change my life. And I know he can change your life, heal your life. And, but here is the issue we face, me and everyone else in this room. It's the sin of pride. Say pride. The sin of pride. Because un until we say, I'm blind, I'm powerless, I need help, we can't see our true situation. I'm telling you. It's, uh, many of us men, we, we're too prideful to commit to Christ. Many of us women, we're too prideful to commit to Christ. To truly say, I am in need of help. I'm blind. I'm powerless. 
because we can't see it. If the blind man would have sat there and said the first time Jesus would have healed the blind man, spit on his eyes, all right, I'm going to heal you, Matt, and Matt, are you healed? And if Matt turned around and said, oh, yeah, I can see now, but he was really blind, guess what? He would have walked around the rest of his life still blind, just barely able to see. But he didn't. This man, he says, no, I still can't see. Jesus, keep working in my life. Keep working. Keep going. I need help. Jesus, continue. And, and he, here's the big lie that we begin to believe. I can do it myself. Have you ever said that? I can do it myself. What? You're going to act that way? I can do it myself. Right? Have you ever, like, you, if you have kids, they say that, I'm going to do it. Me. Me. And it doesn't change from, from being a baby all the way to as, an, as a full-grown baby man, right? We still like, I can do it myself. I can fix my car. Guess what? I can't fix my car. And I shouldn't. And anytime I say I can do it, Candace always like, she says to me, John, you're good at many things, but fixing things, you are not. And I get it. Because, but every time I'm like, I can do it myself, Edgar. I will do electricity. I should not do it. I have shocked myself many times, right? And that's the big lie. I can do this. I can handle this. I can handle my issues. Have you ever said to yourself, I can handle my issues? I can handle my issues. I just need a little bit of help. I don't need a savior. I can handle it. I, yeah, I'm selfish, but I'm not controlled by it, right? I just, I have a little bit of pride. I know what I'm doing. I, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I'm just type A. We blame it on our personality instead of the I can do it myself mentality, right? Instead of what we really know. I could fix it. Don't tell me I need a savior, John. Don't preach at me. Don't tell me I need help. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. That's offensive. Don't offend me, right? You know why it's offensive? It's because it's true. It's true. It's an attack on our pride, your control, and we can't see it because we're blind too. That's what Jesus was saying. Spiritually blind. Denying our own darkness. What our hearts are capable of. Man. If, you, if we only knew how powerful sin really is. No one who's addicted to drugs or alcohol or, or sex or pornography or anger. All these things. They get such a deep grip of our lives. In the beginning, before it ruined their lives and ruined their families, they used to say, I can handle this. We have parents, fathers and mothers, who used to tell us, I can handle this. It's not an issue. I know I get mad sometimes, but I got this. I know it's just one drink. I can handle this. I know, I, I know that I've been looking at this pornography, but I can, I can handle this. We overestimate what we can handle and underestimate the power of sin in our lives. I'm telling you. We're just arguing just a little. I get angry sometimes. But, you know, I could say that. I can do that. We overestimate what we can handle. It's like an alcoholic saying, I can control myself. It's just one drink. And, and some of us who uh, deal with alcoholism or come from alcoholic families, it's not that bad. I'm in control. How many times have we heard that until it totally wrecks the whole family? Stop Telling me I have a problem. I don't. I got this. We all defend and downplay our issues and our idols because that's the power of sin. The first thing sin does, it tricks us to believe that we are in control. The first thing Satan does is trick us to believe that we are in control. 
Romans 7, 15, 18, I love this. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very things I hate. And now if I do what I not want, do not want to do, right, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know, I, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. So he's acknowledging who he is that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. This man is just being straight, honest with himself. Everything I want to do, I seem like I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Even though I tell myself not to do it. That's what he's saying. And most Christians, and most people, right, Christian or not, are in denial of the power of sin in their lives. Don't say I can handle this. You can't. That, that is the gospel, right? That is what Jesus is saying. Or whatever you want to call sin, when we suffer or face life's hardship or under the grip of sin, when we, when we start to suffer, we understand, I am not in control. Until suffering, until we get into this place where we're just feeling out of control, even in our own minds, you can feel so out of control. Even in your own emotions, you can feel so out of control. But until you get there, you think you're in control until you know you're out of control, right? And, and that line is very thin, guys. You think that line, oh, I, 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 I say this around here because it's true. You are one mistake from ruining your life. You are one mistake from ruining your family. One mistake. It, it is not this far off thing. You are one sin away from ruining and losing everything that you have built. Everything. So when we look down at people and we think there's an us and them and we think there's this disparity, this gap, of I'm good and they're bad, the Bible says, no, you are blind. You are blind. And I'm not trying to get down on us, but I'm blind too. We're blind together, right? And that's why I have to point at Jesus, not at my life. I have to understand I can't handle it. Sin is too strong. Addiction is too strong. Lust is too strong. Control is too strong. Anger is too much. Unforgiveness is too much to bear. And many of us, we're dealing with all, some, of, some of these issues from many of these issues. Some of us are dealing with all of these issues, and I can't even imagine. And we try to be our own savior. It doesn't work. Only through getting a hold of Jesus, going to him, we could see clearly. Jesus, I can't see. Heal me again. No, I still can't see. Heal me one more time. All right, I missed that one too. Just one more time. Keep going to Jesus. Keep walking and keep being honest with where you're at because we can't see clearly yet we can't see clearly yet so how is spiritual blindness healed number one through stages i've talked about it i'm gonna push it a little more jesus healed the blind man in stages it was a process say process i talked about peter it was a process peter didn't walk peter was not bold about his faith until the very end of the gospels until the, if you look through it, it took years. Peter would do good, then mess up. And he's like, do good, then mess up, do good. He's going up. Oh, it's going, I think I can see. And he's like, that's when you can't see. And he just crumbles, right? And he goes up. And if that's you, that's all of us. That's all of us, if we'd be honest. See, in Mark chapter 8, we see Peter gets it a little bit. He's like, you're the Christ. And then right away next verse is he totally misses it when jesus rebukes him 
It's immediate. I think it's hilarious in Mark 16, in Matthew 16. What about us? Your faith is a process. Don't think you got it down. Be a student. Pride is blindness. And some of us, we have experienced Jesus. You believe Jesus is true. You studied. You learned about Jesus. And by other times, in that same vein, you're like, am I even a Christian? When you read the Bible, am I even close to this? Am I even, am, am I even a Christian Jesus? Like, for real, God? And I say, good. Once again, I'm going to tell you, good. If you're asking these questions, if you're struggling and you're asking questions about your faith, good. Because the struggle is good. The struggle is good. You need to struggle. You need to be dissatisfied. If you're satisfied with where you're at in Christ, man, I want to tell you this. If you've been a Christian a long time, you're blind. If you have not pushed yourself to be closer to Christ, man, we are honestly, we are not seeing Christ for who he is. I want to just ask you, what are you doing that's so epic that now you think you see so clearly? That you should say, follow me, I'm so good. At some point, we do need to say, follow me, right? But you need to say, follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. We must follow Christ. That's how we see. The struggle's good. Keep going back to Jesus. Keep being honest with your faith. Keep asking Jesus. Ask Jesus, how do I follow you at work, as a parent, as a friend, in politics, in school? When faith is weak, Peter did. He kept on going through the process. And Jesus continues to ask him and asks us today, who do you say that I am? And it's not a one-time answer. He will ask you over and over again until we see. Number two, so number one, we see through process, through stages. Number two, we see through community, Mark 8, 22. And they came to Bethesda, and some people brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Friends who saw Jesus brought this man to Jesus. If you have friends that need Jesus, you need to bring them to Jesus. That's it, man. If you're waiting for someone else to bring them to Jesus, you're blind. That's why you're in their life. I'm telling you, we have to take, we need to take uh, responsibility for where God has placed us, for the kids that God has entrusted us. If you're not leading them to Jesus and you want just Sunday school to do it, we are blind. If I'm a pastor and I just want to, oh, Megan will take care of it. The, the, the teachers will take care of it. I'm blind too. We as parents, we must lead in the example of going to Christ over and over and over again. But we need friends who take us to Jesus. Many of us, we don't have friends who take us to Jesus. Uh, the truth is, it, it says only like 25% have two good friends anyway. Statistically, it's just getting worse, right? We just, close friends are hard to find these days. It is. It's hard to find. And many people say, they would tell you they don't have any close friends. None. Zero. And I would say, man, that's hard. That's a hard place to be. Because faith is a communal experience. It's not. You don't do it alone. If you've been coming to church here, and then you leave and you have no one to share what you're learning or growing in, then we're not growing to the, uh, to the capacity that God wants us to grow. See, some, some, because, some of us, we don't have close friends because we don't want to be vulnerable, to be honest. We, we, don't, we don't like the loss of control. We don't want people to see us a certain way, right? They already see you that way. We think we got people fooled 
We don't. So we come to church, man, we do our thing, we leave, and we have no one to share our life with. And I'm telling you, that's our own blindness speaking to us blatantly. That we are tr- control freaks and we want people out because we don't want to be hurt. Because when you're vulnerable, you're hurt. And guess what? When you're not vulnerable, you're hurt just as well. But you build up these fake walls to say, I'm not hurt. I'm okay. I'm in control. I can save myself. And the Bible says, I've said it many times, we're blind. We're blind to what Jesus is trying to show us. Sorry I'm telling you you're blind all the time. But I'm going to tell you a couple more times. Right? So we avoid accountability, we avoid community. Because we don't want to be accountable for who we really are. Listen, you have to process this out through people. You need to filter this out through people. If you come here and you don't have no one to process with, to work, to think this out with, to apply it, you will always be lacking. There is healing in community. There's power in community. That's why we have groups. We don't have groups just to have groups during the week so that you can eat together and watch, you know, whatever. You know, we have groups so that we could truly be the church because church is not an organization. The church is the people of God. It is. Number three, through confidence. Mark 8, 29 says, he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter asked him, answered him, you are the Christ. At some point, you have to put confidence in Jesus. If you've been wavering, God's been speaking to your heart, at some point, you have to proclaim that he is Christ, like for real, not just like, like in your life. Your, your life has to represent that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. We have to proclaim him, stand for him, and our strength comes from the cross. That's our strength comes from the cross. And I said it last week. I'm going to say it this week. I'm going to say it next week. I'm going to say it the week after. That's the gospel. That's, it's crazy because my job as a pastor, I preach the same thing every week. It's the gospel that at the end of the day, everything that we do, our power or our salvation, our grace, our strength, everything comes from Jesus and his cross and his resurrection. That's going to be my message every single week at some point. It, is, it comes from the cross, his sacrifice on our behalf. And we ask God to help you to see the cross and, and this beautiful exchange of grace. Even now, if you don't understand, if you don't have an affection for Jesus, ask God. You're not in a bad place. You're just in the struggle. And it's okay as long as we're asking God, help me. Why don't I have an affection for God. If you don't have an affection for God, it's very hard to have an affection for others, right? And, 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 and we're, not, we're not trusting him. We're not proclaiming him. We're not putting confidence in him to receive mercy. So we look to the cross of Jesus with confidence, his sacrifice on our behalf, and we ask God, help me see that. Continue. And as we close today, I believe Jesus is still changing lives. We have so many stories in this room, like this blind man story, but we are in process too. I was blind, but now I see, and I put in quotations, a little more. <laughs> a little more. Every day, I was blind, but now I see a little better. A little better. It's a, it's a process. It's a walk. It's a community. It's confidence. It's a walk with God. It's a relationship with God. My greatest joy as a pastor is to see Jesus open blind eyes, to see Jesus 
open up people's souls and hearts. I love your stories. I love your testimonies. I, got, I, I love when I get to share with them, like over Chipotle, right? When we're just sitting down. I, even last week, I got to share with an individual. They were telling me about their mom's passing, and it was, man, it was, I was like, this dude's about to make me cry, but I'm not going to cry. I'm in control, right? Even though I'm not, right? But I love hearing your stories because they're real. And in these moments of suffering, when we're honest with ourselves, I believe that God can heal our hearts and heal others through it. Some of you guys have gone through such hardship, and you guys let it just, me included, man, we let it just rot our souls instead of understanding that same conflict, that same issue that we've been through can free someone else if we so choose. Man, some of us, you guys, you have grown up in abusive relationships. You wouldn't understand addiction. And guess who's the best person to talk to someone who's going through addiction? You are. Some of you guys have been parents for like forever, right? And then these young parents are like, I don't know what I'm doing. Guess who has a good place to talk to them? You do. Say something, man. Some of you guys have been married for a long time, and we need your help telling you, married, man, young marrieds, we're crazy, right? We think we know, and every time we're like, we're good. Anytime you say your marriage is all that rocking, it's probably because you don't see clearly. <laughs> the best answer is we're working on it, man. <laughs> we're working on it because we truly see that, you know what? We're still in process. But my greatest joy is to see Jesus open blind eyes. And I wish I could convince people to follow Jesus, but I know I can't. You can't see Jesus just because you say, now I see Jesus. No, he has to open blind eyes. It's only, Bible says, it's not a decision we make. It's, it's through a decision that he has loved us. We can't love God until we understand that God loves us. We are loved because he first loved us. And you can't see him until he lets you see him. So I keep telling people about Jesus, about our blindness. And when we do that together, when we do that as a team, as a family, leading people to Jesus collectively, God begins to open people's eyes. He begins to heal people. You want to see healings in this room? Begin to point people to Jesus together in unity. The church, the family of God will move as we move together. A little at a time, then a little more, then they'll see a little more clearly. Jesus heals as we move in faith to take people to him. There were friends in the Bible who took people to Jesus. This blind man could not get to Jesus on his own because he could not see him. But those who could physically see Jesus took him there. And if you say you can see a little bit, bring people to Jesus. Jesus heals people. And, and it's not my doing. It's not me doing that. It's us. We have to do it together. And as you talk to people about Jesus, see what happens. And when Jesus opens blind eyes, the person worships. Then we see them worship. We worship God, right? Then we, and, then, and then the worship begins to grow in this place, right? It begins to grow in our heart. And it begins to glorify our God. You want to see a move of God? See blind eyes open. See new people come to Christ and see their worship. It will enhance your worship incredibly because they're worshiping like they are seeing for the first time. Let's stand. And one day... We will see Christ face to face. Whew. But today, how will you respond to Jesus? Who do you say that he is? Let's pray.
If you're in this room and it has nothing to do with me, but you need Jesus to reveal, to open your blind eyes, you don't need to raise your hands because I just want to tell you it's all of us. It's all of us, guys. If you're saying I'm dealing with sin, I'm dealing with trying to be control and savior of my life, guess what? It's all of us. We need to keep on going back to the cross of Christ. There is no magic salvation prayers. There's no magic moments. It's a process, a step towards Christ and falling back and then a step further. But if you're in this room and Jesus is speaking to your heart, I just want you to ask in your mind's eye or even out loud, God, heal my blind eyes. Heal my heart, God. Lord God, because that is the only way to get the power of sin to release from my life. I need to understand that I am in need of a Savior. I am in need of saving. God, I pray that that be our heart today. And as we leave, Lord God, and if you're healing our eyes and opening up our, our hearts, God, and you're saving our, our souls, God, I pray we lead more people to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I'm blind. I was blind, but now I see a little more. I pray that we go with that mentality and we keep on getting back to Christ. God bless you guys. Get to know one another, guys. Get to know one another.